0: We'd love for you to check out our social media pages at CreekwoodUMC or our website CreekwoodUMC.org for more information about what is happening and how you can grow with us in our mission to share God's love. If you feel inspired, there's also a way to give at the top of the website. Thanks for listening to this sermon, and we hope it inspires you in your journey with God.
1: Um, but We're going to start a sermon series today. Where, so in our sermon series, we're going to be um, going along with these themes all semester long that center around this you belong theme. And so we're going to start with Anchored in God. You belong with God. And we're going to progressively move out from ourselves and God to how we belong to a church and how we belong to a community and how we belong to a world and what Scripture has to say about that by hyper-focusing in on some certain stories in the Bible that help us navigate uh, those answers. And so uh, today we're going to start three weeks where we're just going to walk through, kind of verse by verse, the story where Jesus walks upon the water. Um, and, and we'll get into why here in a little while. But we're going to start with Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 through 23. And it says, Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. This is the word of God for all of God's people. Let us say, Thanks be to God. So we're going to try and walk on water over the next three weeks, and we're doing this story and uh, got a reference in high school, Sunday school. As I walked in, they were discussing this question of just this very personal question, where are you with God? And I'm really grateful that we have these safe spaces for high school students to answer those questions and be supported, whether they right, confused or conflicted or at peace or the different answers that were being thrown out there. And one of the adults who was in there, who I know has personally had to walk on unsolid ground for some of his life in different situations that have happened um, wrote the words at peace and just talked to the students a little bit about um, even before your family, even before your friends, um, having God as this anchor point in your life is something that is just really amazing and really calming for him as he's, as he's learned that by walking on the water and through the waves for a little bit. I think that our common perception of this story, if you know the story of Jesus um, going out to meet his disciples on a boat, and he just flat out walks on water—and um, we'll get to Peter— joining him out on the water eventually, I I think that when I hear this story, at least, it's very um, just, well, Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is perfect. Jesus can do whatever he wants to do, and so he just naturally walks on water as though he's just ice skating across the across the surface, and um, even when the beginning of the story, when it says Jesus goes off by himself to pray, I think there's this tendency for us to think, okay, well, he's this Messianic, perfect, holy man. He doesn't have a job. He doesn't have family. He can go off and pray whenever he wants to. But what I hope we can find a little bit today is that even Jesus, in his full divinity and in his full humanity, can show us how important it is to dismiss the crowds sometimes in order to reconnect with a God whose love is never failing, as the song John led us in says if we go beforehand before we ever get to the walking on water we're not even going to get to the walking on water part today before we get there there's this um before we even get to our scripture passage we've got to go back to the beginning or middle point of matthew chapter 14 and we see here that um, jesus heard this news that and he withdrew from there in a boat he's upset by this news we'll get to that news in a little bit Um, to a deserted place by himself he is trying to get away so he could reconnect with God. He is trying to find some Sabbath time. He's trying to get away from all of the stress and the hustle and bustle of life. But the crowds heard where he was going. They followed him on foot from the towns for miles. And Jesus, being this kind, compassionate, wonderful human being that he is, has compassion, and he goes, and he goes to this middle of a great crowd, and he heals the sick, and takes the time to be present with the people. He does the activity for God, forsaking that time with God. You know what happens after this, what he gets asked to do? He gets asked to be like the room parent for every class party afterward. Because once you say yes, you got to say yes a million times afterward. He gets asked to provide the snacks at halftime in the soccer game. He gets asked to provide the luncheon after the golf tournament. He gets asked to feed 5,000 people just from two, five loaves and two fishes. Just because he said yes to helping out the crowd and their hurt and their sickness and their disease, then it's, well, they're hungry and they need something else. And so Jesus takes the time and has the compassion to feed those 5,000 people. And this is another. It's a great miracle, and he's Jesus, and he can do it all. But how much time and energy did that take to pass out all the food, to be present with each individual person as their uh, disciples are going around? Well, in you know, one of the Gospels, Jesus himself passes out all of the loaves and fishes to everybody without running out. It's, again, it's a great miracle that Jesus uses all of this energy on. And so we might think, well, Jesus needs to go away because he's just tired. But before we ever get to Jesus wanting to go with the first time, when he got distracted from the crowd when he got attracted by the crowds it's because he had received this news that his cousin john the baptist i mean this is not the story that makes it into the children's bibles that someone asked for his head on a platter and it gets delivered and, and they buried john and then came and told jesus this is jesus's cousin you can only imagine how he must feel at this moment if we believe that Jesus felt all the feelings. There's this, you know, old saying that no matter what you're going through, Jesus has been through it with you. Maybe not the exact circumstances, but the feelings and the emotions. And so Jesus is tired and Jesus is overwhelmed. And I don't think it is um, wrong for us to emphasize that at the beginning of the walking on water story, before in between two great miracles that only Jesus can do, Jesus literally told people to go away. He told people to go away because he was so enmeshed in the action for God and the work for God that he was missing out on his time with God and to reconnect with God. And there's something Jesus knows about that that King David knew, that Isaiah knew, that all of us hopefully can know of the importance of centering ourselves in an immovable, unchangeable, loving, all unconditional loving God so that we can handle when it's time to walk upon the waters and be amongst the crowds and do the work for God. One of my favorite times um, in the life of social media, for those of you who may feel uh, tired, overwhelmed, or whatever, um, if you want a spark of joy, Alan and Alan McKinney, Plano Wiley, you guys all started this past week. Lovejoy decided they needed three more days to get ready, I suppose. And so they're on their own calendar coming up this Monday. And if if you're on social media, you know it's a good day because you can cycle through and you're going to see all sorts of uh, first day of school pictures. And they are going to be the jump into the world, love is an open door, ready to take on the world. My favorite first day of school pictures are not actually first day of school pictures, but they're for um, freshmen who are moving into college for the first time because the parents try and take pictures of their dorm room as though they don't live in a shoebox. And so they take multiple angles to make it look a little bit bigger when they're really backing up against the other person's bed already and... Um, But you've got kindergartners who are excited to take on big kid school, and you've got fifth graders who are so excited to see their friends that they haven't seen all summer long. And even high schoolers who I know are just like over the first day of school pictures by this point, um, even behind the reluctant smile that their parents make them pose in front of the door for, there's still in their eyes this dream of... What does the color guard season look like? What's band competition gonna be like? What's the football season gonna be like? There's this excitement about the activities ahead of them that are something they're a part of that's larger than maybe just their family, that they can be excited about. And so the first day of school provides all of these great moments, these great pictures. And It's just some, this season of idealism as we launch into, um, into that first day. Um, but there's a reason why parents post the first day of picture, first day of school pictures instead of like the third day of school pictures. Um, Because the third day of school pictures (laughs) tend to look a little different than the first day of school pictures. And I have a theory, maybe not a a great theory, but I think it's my my theory about this is um, I I don't think they're completely posed. I do think that as you're going into the start of something new, and this could be school, it could be a job, it could be a move, it could be, you know, whatever transition you're making, um, there's generally a plan. Like when you start school, you have your teacher assigned to you, or your multiple teachers if you're in middle school or high school. You have your schedule that's printed out and it's set. You have a school supply list that you can order ahead of time or go to Walmart, and you can pick out everything. Like, there is a general information set. You know when the bus comes, you know when the pickup is. There is a general set of information that you can rest solid in knowing that as long as I follow this, everything will go fine. I know what team I'm going to be involved in. I know what club I'm going to be involved in. And then the first day happens. And your kindergartner comes home with a flyer that says, we need more school supplies. Your high schooler comes home and says, we all have to raise $800 to be part of the band this year. I had a situation when I was in high school where two of my teachers quit the first week of junior year, the first two weeks of junior year of high school. And I don't think it had anything to do with me. Um, I had to reflect on that early service. I don't think it had anything to do with me, but they quit. And that was a transition. I know that that has still happened. I know there are teachers are still not hired yet, right? So there are all sorts of things that just kind of come in flux. I mean, during the school year, kids move out, kids move in, teachers move in, teachers move out. There's lots of different things that all of a sudden we realize what we thought was this kind of solid block of control that we had is really nothing of the sorts. When we start a new job, we have a job description, and we think it's going to go along the lines of this job description until our boss comes in and says, by the way, that thing that says other duties as assigned, ask our church staff about that. (laughs) What we realize when we start something new is that idealism all of a sudden turns to reality. And reality can be hard to deal with because it's not as solid, it's not as firm, there's something that's always changing. And so a physics lesson, just for, um, from a physics student who hasn't taken physics in 23 years um, as we're starting school, I found this to be really fascinating and, and kind of a good metaphor for this walking on water. As um, we'll get into the story, they see Jesus across the, across the sea, and and he looks like a ghost, and, and this is, this is what you're seeing in the states of matter, of solid and liquid and gas, and, and how they're composed of atoms, and for the science nerds in the room, no, I don't have plasma up there, I know it's a state of matter, but it doesn't count right now for this metaphor. Um, the, so, so the gas is hard to see, right? And, and we know that. We know that the air around us is there, but it's hard to see, and, and we don't take a lot of, you know, no one's going and just jumping off a cliff because we know that air is not going to hold us like that. Now, liquid's a little bit more, we can see, see liquid because it's a little bit more tightly bound together. Um, as going, but we know if we're trying to jump from liquid to liquid, we can't actually predict where those are going to go. Water doesn't act in a totally predictable flow, and, or the atoms don't, and so we can't base ourselves on liquid, but solid is firm, right? Solid is supposed to be those things that we can rest on. We can always know is gonna stay the same and never change, and, and I found it real interesting. I distinctly remember I didn't get to look through an electron microscope, but, but seeing this for the first time, of recognizing that the stage I'm standing on is actually wiggling a little bit. The chairs that you are in are wiggling a little bit. For those of you who get seasick, you can think about that for the next probably eight to 10 minutes and see how you feel to know that everything is actually in flux. Everything that we think of as solid in this world is actually a little bit in flux. Everything that we think of as stable is actually a little bit in flux, and so perfection as a I can control everything doesn't actually exist. But it remains solid for a reason. What liquids and gases don't have as well as solids do is they have these really strong ionic and covalent bonds, which means they share electrons with each other. Those atoms are bonded together by sharing of electrons. They need each other. And in this sharing, they become strong together. They become something that is solid ground. So when the waves come, you have something solid to rest with. When something shifts in your life, you have solid bonds that keep you grounded. And sometimes we find this in a friend group or a t-ball team or something like that. A lot of times we find this, I hope that you can find this, in something that has the spiritual bonds like a like a small group or sunday school something like that because there's one thing to succeed on a baseball field together and to be bonded by trophies there's another thing all together when someone knows the most intimate parts about your story someone who knows the struggles and the successes someone who knows you so well that they know when to pray for you before you even ask someone who knows when you need a meal before they even ask and those are the kind of bonds that allow us to live within our struggles when we know things are going to change while still having a solid ground to base ourselves on it's the people that we can escape the crowd and be on solid ground with it's what we hope for our sunday schools and youth group and all the student ministries the family ministries we do around here is that they form solid bonds and connections not only with each other but for um people who want to invest in them as adults We're wearing these new shirts, and you see them around. I've already been asked several times about what it means on the back of my shirt. And it says, I'm one of the big five. And there are statistics that show that um, every student, by the time they graduate high school, needs five other, besides their parents, five meaningful spiritual influences as adults in their life. And studies show over and over again that having these five connected bonds with meaningful adults leads to higher test scores. It leads to better mental health. Um, It it leads to um, continuation with church and and, uh, spiritual life post-high school when they kind of have to really grasp it for themselves. And so these are the bonds, right? This is what Jesus is showing us when he dismisses the crowd. And that doesn't sound like it's building up bonds. That sounds like it's being dismissive and getting away from people, and it sounds like all the introverts in the room like that form of Jesus. Jesus is dismissing the crowds because there's something about working for God, and there's something about connecting with God. And connecting with God is where we find that immovable sense of love. It's where we find that unbreakable method of grace. It's where we find the person who's always going to be there for us. Isaiah talked about the difference between human relationships and people. It says, The grass withers, the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows upon it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. And David talks about it too, but I'm going to skip that one today. The, so when we're looking at these strong bonds, one of the truths we have to face is, um, one of the truths we have to face is that I have never met a human being who is completely emotionally stable. I've never met a human being who was without sin or without fault. I've never met a human being who was consistently the same through every situation, especially when the waves start crashing and the storms come, that they are able to remain the same and be just as committed, devoted, or loving as they always are. Even in family situations, I'm sure that there are no families in here who can ever say they don't yell at each other. And if you do, I'm going to read Revelation about lying. Right? We love each other. We have the strongest bonds as a family unit. But sometimes we yell at each other. Sometimes people move away. Sometimes people, as they enter middle into high school, have different interests and they start going in different directions. Right? The one inevitable thing in life is change. It is this liquidity, this fluidity of life that ebbs and flows in different directions that we are trying to grasp some form of solid ground where we can base our identity on. And the one thing that I want to call us into is that what Jesus shows us, is that he could have taken all the accolades for this great miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. He could have mourned this identity of losing his cousin and and my family's gone, perhaps. He could have gone in so many different directions, but he, he leaves the work for a little bit. He leaves the crowd for a little bit because he wants to form the solid foundation in his life. And that is the God that never changes. That's the God that is immovable, the God who says that there is solid ground even when things are changing because God is never changing. And what we know from, like, the parable of the prodigal son is that no matter how much we have squandered our opportunities, no matter how much we have gone astray, God is still pursuing. Those bonds that are supposed to be shared, God is always reaching to establish that bond. And those bonds, an ionic covalent bond, they have to work in both directions. Right? The story, the parable of the lost sheep, where 99 are doing exactly what they should be doing. And the one is the one who kind of wanders astray. And who does Jesus go after? The one. Because God is always the one who sees you as an individual. God is always the one who created and knows every hair on your head. God is the one who formed you in the womb and loves you unconditionally. No matter how far we go astray, no matter if we're the one, no matter if we're part of the 99, And this is the solid foundation in which Jesus knows is absolutely vital if he's going to be of any use to anybody. If he's going to feed 5,000 more. If he's going to walk on water. If he's going to be able to help guide the humans around him, the people around him, into this avenue where they can be steadfast in their love for one another, despite all of the influences that come and knock us around in the storms of life, Jesus knows he needs to lead by going away and reconnecting with God. And having that be his first relationship, his first love, and the solid ground in which he identifies himself on as the son of God, but also uh, all of us are called the children of God. Because Jesus knows what it says in John 14. God is the only one who is constantly preparing a room for us. God is the only one who constantly never fails in God's love for us, no matter the circumstances so we're going to journey through the story of connecting with God as our primary anchor in this life that ebbs and flows. And tomorrow, or tomorrow, I hope you're all coming tomorrow um, to church. If you don't, you're getting an X on that attendance form. We call truancy. But um, next week, we're going to look in the story where he actually does get out in the water. And what we're going to see is that the disciples have a really hard time being able to tell that it's Jesus. And when we're in the ebbs and flow of life, it's really hard to find where Christ is around us. So we're going to look at how is it that I can find that solid ground even amongst the waves as we're going around. And so let's pray, and then we're going um, to empower our kids through blessing of the backpack. So let's pray. Gracious God, in the waves of life, as storms come, we pray that your love might always be present with us. We pray that, well, we pray that we might always feel that your love is present with us. And God, when our eyes cannot see, when our hearts cannot feel, may you surround us with others who um, invite us back into that strong bond with you, the strong bond by feeling the love through their words and their actions, by the people around us who um, we can borrow their faith for just a little bit. Or as we're growing, we can borrow the faith as we're maturing and claiming our own faith. And so God, we pray that we would always know that you are with us as we continue to try and walk on water through the turbulence of the changes that happen in a new school year or new situations of life, all of the busyness that is about to happen. May we look to you first and foremost, even if it means a know somewhere else. And so God, we give you all the glory because it's in your glory that we can find rest. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, kids.
0: Thanks for listening. We would love if you could leave us a review on whatever platform you are listening today and let us know how we are doing. Be sure to check out our social media pages at CreekwoodUMC and our website, creekwoodumc.org, for more ways to get involved at Creekwood United Methodist Church in person, online, or both. Thanks again for listening, and have a great week.